I can safely say that I have no idea how the dials work on my microphone. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, everyone. Let's get started. Welcome to Jay's Corner. My name is Jay O. I am the Certified Financial Planner. I'm also the author of Maximize Your Medicare, the published book. Jay's Corner is there to try to explain how certain financial matters work, to try to help you separate the signal from the noise, so that when something changes, you're not distracted wrongly, and instead, keep your eyes on the ball, which is tough to do given the way that we are given information. There's a free and paid newsletter. Go to jo.substack.com. There are two YouTube channels, Jay's Corner, as well as Maximize Your Medicare. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you digest your podcast. Be sure to leave your comments. Let's begin. So as many people know, <laughs> I just simply do not understand why people try to do it themselves. Less than 7,435 of this came just the other day. PhD, decorated PhD, has staff of multiple universities, is the curriculum, the CV, the resume of this person. So what ends up happening is, you know, kind of underneath a mess of mail, missed the IEP, which is the initial enrollment period for Medicare, tries to correct it, doesn't, um, you know, we have a new enrollment rule where you can enroll late and then Medicare will begin the month thereafter. So we're all set up for February, but instead, nope, the client decides to then just start clicking buttons and then sends me an email says, well, the Medicare website says that I can change my options. <laughs> no, not exactly. You know, and again, it's just a telltale. A telltale, that's the wrong use of the phrase, is it? Maybe I should call it Jay's wrong use of phraseology. Anyway, the fact of the matter is, is when you're making your initial election for Medicare, when you are first turning on Part A and Part B, you don't have the unrestricted set of rights to just flip-flop. You get a singular shot at it. And because of that, in order to replace it with another option, which is possible, you will end up having to use a side door. Now, the issue is that many people don't even know the side door exists. First of all, people don't understand that the first problem can occur. And then they don't understand that there is a side door fixed to it. We'll have to see. We're not yet finished with this tale because, of course, it takes two to communicate. Uh, I've been communicating in this same vein not different than over the past decade, that, you know, Maximize Your Medicare, the book, this podcast, Jay's Corner, YouTube videos, <laughs> interviews, all are talking about, you know, giving people guidelines so that they can feel comfortable with the idea of Medicare. That said, in all financial matters, just having command of the idea is way different than two other topics. Topic one is selection. Even though the things look the same, they may not be. And number two 
is actually executing and putting into place is a third step. The problem with our point and click society, our quick fix, our quick answer, your 10 answers to frequently asked questions is that it a single detail wrong can throw off the entirety, change the entire approach. So the other day I was on an interview with Michael Clinton, who's a journalist. Uh, my quote's going to appear in Esquire magazine. That's coming up probably within the next month or so. So anyway, the interview occurred just the other day. It was kind of my first opportunity to speak as an education fellow for the Alliance for Lifetime Income, which you can see on protectedincome.org, a website which is introducing the role of annuities. The reason for the role, the reason for the alliance as a whole is the fact that you know there are threats to certain benchmarks in our retirement planning landscape. And of course, you know, the cornerstone of that is Social Security, which is funded by taxes and the federal government. The fact of the matter is, is that, you know, Social Security was never intended to be a, you know, kind of lifetime pension plan, if you will. Uh, life expectancy was lower at that time, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. Nevertheless, we're here today, and what you have are headlines saying that, you know, Social Security can run out, and if you deal with the problem later, the way to fund it will be with higher taxes or lower benefits. Actuarially speaking, I'm sure that's correct. Uh, you know, I don't think that there's much doubt about that whether or not there's going to be a political solution to that. Well, I'm not a politician, uh, nor do I want to be, aspire to be. Part of that landscape, of course, is Medicare and the fact that healthcare costs increasing for the entire population, as well as especially the likelihood of requiring healthcare costs being higher as people age, this is, you know, you know, you don't need to pick up Esquire magazine in order to uh, understand this logic, right? This is kind of everyday kind of stuff. I get asked a number of questions regarding whether or not there are ways to fix Medicare. Uh, you know, I've, I've said multiple times, I've said multiple times that, you know, no one's asking Jay, uh, you know, have I proposed a set a suite of possible solutions I have. Again, you know, not, no one's asking me. It is my view that you cannot just simply find independent, segmented, fragmented fix-its that you're going to have to ask for overriding sacrifices by every stakeholder and the stakeholders involved in healthcare delivery are enormous, well-equipped, and have their own rationale and pushback to basically every proposal. Some huge, dominant stakeholder will disagree vehemently. That makes a overall fix elusive 
one that will probably remain to be elusive. So the only the only path then is to arm the general population with as much information about the way that health insurance work health insurance works. Be nice if I could uh, have my noun and verbs agree. In addition to that, what you end up having as far as a complication is the fact, two complications. Number one is many people have learned about how health insurance quote unquote works because of the fact their employer has sponsored, you know, a very limited set of plans. One, two, maybe three, for example, options. And without proper counsel on helping people distinguish among the even the three. So now you go into the Affordable Care Act and you go on to healthcare.gov and you find 120 different plans for your zip code. This is happening today. Uh, people didn't know how to choose among three. The idea that they know how to choose among 115 is you know, almost 0%. On top of that, what you have is the fact that anecdotal evidence, the misnomers, the misplaced terminology and language of insurance. So now you can understand Jay's place in the world where I'm trying to explain to people that health insurance, not health care. You know, I've got certain, you know, overused uh, phrases to try to drive home fundamental points to the general population. I'm thinking to myself, after this complicated interview with Esquire, Michael Clinton, very good questions, very, very well-researched questions, that probing questions of both myself as well as my colleagues at the Alliance for Lifetime Income, you know, one, one, one of my colleagues is, is uh, the has sat on, on the Council of Economic Advisors, which, you know, reports to the White House. So I'm like, hmm, this is the real deal here. And, you know, I'm, I'm perhaps the water, water boy or something. Anyway, the questions didn't have very optimistic answers is the reality is that you know the common thread here is that you know social security at least in social security we are we have the right parties being asked about the question right we've got okay what are possible fixes what are possible gradual ways to change social security's funding as well as payout structure to extend its life how will that combine with generational changes as baby boomers stop becoming baby, become entirely Medicare eligible? And you have, I don't know, Gen X turning into the Medicare eligible crowd looking to retire. And then you're going to have millennials, et cetera, et cetera, and whatever all the other labels to label generations. That debate is going to evolve. The solution is going to remain to be elusive. And, you know, quick, easy band-aid answers that can last going to be very difficult. I'm thinking to myself, you know, what have I said here 
that I've not really said on Jay's Corner on the newsletter or in interviews. Pretty much nothing, <laughs> to be candid with you, right? Just stick here. I'm keeping you up to date on you know the big moves on basic understanding of financial contracts. And from my earlier anecdote, my earlier lesson, that is way different than selecting or actually executing. Those are two extra layers here that shouldn't be done themselves. These are two extra layers that you should not attempt to, to put into place yourself as as enticing as you know attractive as that may seem to be the upside versus downside structure of the possible consequences or results here just don't make it worth it for paid subscribers to Jay's corner there's there are articles in the website, which is called GH2 Unfiltered. You may have been wondering, you know, what in the world you've been doing all during the holiday season, et cetera, et cetera, these past, you know, month or so. Not as many videos, not as many newsletters. The reality is, is that artificial intelligence, ChatGPT has lit uh, a tinderbox, if you will. And so what I've done here is I've populated GH2 unfiltered with a number of year-end reviews from research locations, PDFs, things that people can read. And the reality is, is that I'm not claiming, I would never claim, that I have some Rubicon, some Rosetta Stone to be able to, you know, interpret matters or create structures, thought processes, which are unique. Do I have a, a base and then put Jay's salt on top of it? Yes, I do. That That is true. Podcast, everything out here in public is try to water it down, dilute it just enough so that you can understand or try to feel more comfortable in your understanding. The reason I bring this entirety up is because one of the most important articles up there is an iShares article. iShares gave kind of like a playbook for 2023. It's really, it's a very, very short, very short article, what, four pages or so. And it dovetails with what I said to Esquire. So iShares run by BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager. So, you know, we're not talking about the shallow end of the pool. I don't quote shallow end of the pool. Deep end of the pool here with iShares, however, this should be notable. And what it has, our key takeaways are rethinking the role of bonds, pricing the damage, and living with inflation. Great article. Great, great article because what does it do? Stocks for show, bonds for dough, y'all. Right, which is you start with an understanding of the denominator, which is interest rates and the security that reflects most directly the price of interest rates, bonds, period. For longtime listeners, you'll forgive me for being repetitive, 
but the reality is this is so against the grain compared to what people get told using the press where you're interested in chasing down whether or not you know Tesla is a buy at $140 a share or should be at 340 or should be rated like General Motors and Ford which case it would be you know notably lower than this whether or not it's an auto manufacturer whether it's a software company that is for markets to decide and that dominates the news because obviously we've got a person who is noteworthy and volatile so as a result that is more attractive to get your attention however actual understanding of the way that portfolios actually get run on a global basis starts with the denominator that's the point of the reason for me coining the phrase stocks for show bonds for dough the issue here is that compared to a year ago interest rates are notably higher and the Federal Reserve has stated as many times as someone will give them the microphone, we see higher for longer. And what this article does do is point out the fact that first is that the higher interest rates mean greater returns for bond investments. That means certain sectors are having a yield which can be acceptable. This is as opposed to two years ago, where, for example, if you had cash in a bank account, it got zero. Now you can have two-year notes at 4.3% a year, which is way different, way, way different. Now, what's great about this article, back to the article, is that they then tell you, look, if you want to return X percent, and their, their graphic shows 6.5%, in order to return 6.5%, then the implied portfolio mix, stocks versus bonds, changes. It changes. So now you can understand why I've been bringing up all the other anecdotes of other types of investors who are enormous, many times bigger than a single individual where you have the idea that in order to achieve 6.5% yield in 2015, that meant in, because interest rates were so low, you in order to get to 6.5%, you needed 80% stocks and 20% bonds. Well, now, at the end of 2022, in order to get the same 6.5% yield, you have 35% stock 65% bond. It goes to show you that depending on what your objective is, your financial plan, whether that be you are a person planning for retirement, whether or not you are trying to pay for the pensioners of your entire nation, that now the metric has changed because the fact that the denominator has increased by this amount. So much so that the then portfolio to create a particular yield, which may be required in order to pay for your retirement or pay for your nation's pensioners, has changed. The result of all of that then, 
becomes the fact that people may not be willing to pay for stocks at a particular price point. So the way that the world really works, for example, the way that people compare across you know, sectors in stocks, for example, is they take a look at Jay's rib shack. And let's just say Jay rib shack, you know, we sell $100,000 and that's our revenue in a calendar year. Well, we get compared to Bob's, you know, hot dog stand. And Bob's hot dog stand makes $200,000 a year. Now, the fact of the matter is, is that since our two restaurants are very similar and just kind of basically directly competing with each other, you'd expect that, you know, the hot dog stand basically is the same multiple of the 200,000 as Jay's Rib Shack at 100,000. So let's say I, let's say my stock trades at five times the revenue, so that makes it worth 500,000. His, you know, the hot dog stand would be five times 200,000, which is $1 million. Well, then you divide by the number of shares outstanding, and then you get the implied price. So my dumb little example there is just talking about how to compare two stocks. And this is basically this comparative measure on what are we going to, what is the market going to pay for Jay's Rib Shack compared to the rest of the world. So now you can understand the ripple effect, hopefully, right? Which is that interest rates higher. Now, okay, this Jay's Ribs Shack, you know, yeah, I like its ribs. That doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean that I want to pay 20 times $100,000 for the stock. That doesn't necessarily mean that. And this as a result of the fact that interest rates are higher because of the fact that the implication of that means that less stocks are required. Now you can see why I'm moving us to the seventh inning, which is that the reason we're here in the seventh inning is the fact that now we are at a spot where we are not sure what the correct multiple for the all stocks like Jay's Rib Shack to be. We're simply not sure because your choice now is, okay, I could buy U.S. Treasuries for two years at 4.3% or I could buy shares of Jay's Rib Shack. Well, yeah, I like ribs too. That doesn't necessarily mean that I need to own six trillion shares of Jay's Rib Shack selling at that multiple. We're going to have this debate here because the reason that those, this is why I don't really like, okay, well, the historical multiple, this or that or the other, you know, based on some earnings per share. Yeah, okay, you're talking about another layer. That's just basically fancy numeratorville, right? Because the first question had to be, okay, what is the world paying for the stock market as a whole, given the fact that interest rates are higher and that there are now viable alternatives? This long conversation, this long description of these different topics here 
kind of points back to the article of iShares, which does a very good job of highlighting these points. I'm just trying to water it down. Water it down? That's not really the right. Reframe it so that everyday people can understand what they're getting at. You shouldn't be intimidated by these articles. Your boy's got it and be able to translate it to you, hopefully. Okay. Don't forget paid subscribers, access to GH2 Unfiltered, which is a subscription website. Also up there are descriptions of very good comprehensive guide to the Secure Act 2.0, which has just recently passed a number of implications for RMDs, a number of implications for uh, retirement plans. The reality is that, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what the ripple effect will be. And now you can see the different pieces of a financial plan, right? Where we've got Social Security, where you've got your retirement, your qualified funds and withdrawal to pay for bills and yet run the balance between needing the money for your mobile phone bill versus trying to delay the withdrawal in order to reduce taxes. And then finally, then Social Security here. Did I already say Social Security? The reality is, is that And then also healthcare cost planning being a such a highly visible, high ticket item under retirement. And by retirement here, I'm not necessarily only talking about Medicare eligibility. I'm also talking about per, per the years prior to retirement. A key finding, a key point here on Jay's Corner is that When you are considering retirement, the first thought is the non-Medicare spouse in a household because the variability in results can be $10,000 a year running. Absolutely the case. If I changed your post-tax income by $10,000 in a year, it is so dramatic that it could entirely change your timing, your thought process of when retirement is possible. We'll be back at it shortly. Thanks for joining everyone. Be sure to tell someone else about Jay's Corner. Subscribe to the newsletter. 